Will you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, and longing. Speak to us by your word in this time of Advent. Amen. The Old Testament scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Hear these words. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove the disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown for all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home for the time when I gather you. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Preparation. What we do in Advent in preparation for Christmas will be our means of getting ready for a new way of looking at life, a new way of living. The prophet Zephaniah speaks of a messenger, one who is victorious, one who will renew you in love, one who saves the least, the last, and the lost. How then do we prepare to be transformed by the coming of the Lord? as one who enters into the king's victory, as one who allows love to restore, as one who comes alongside the least, the last, and the lost. If we prepare ourselves by renewing our covenant with God, then we will truly be transformed as Christ comes again into our lives. The Lord your 
God is in your midst, rejoicing over you with gladness, renewing you in love. I will bring you home and restore your fortunes, says the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. With joy you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. We will rejoice in the Lord always. We light a third candle to reveal the pathway to faithfulness. As a covenant people, we will seek to live in the joy of the Lord. And the people said together, with gratitude for your life, O oh God, we will prepare to welcome a new birth of your love. Canicles, those canicles, <laughs> that's a song. Sometimes those candles are finicky. Uh, but anyways, you may not know this about me. I'm a little bit of a Grinch. I actually really don't like Christmas and Advent. Um, my heart is three times too small, right? Isn't that the saying? Uh, which is kind of silly because I'm a pastor. And so you would expect that pastors by prerequisite should love Christmas and Advent. Uh, but I just, the holiday season sometimes bothers me. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're one of those people too. We can commiserate together. Uh, but as I've gotten older, my heart has been softened by the peace, love, and joy of the season. And uh, I find myself enjoying the traditions of Christmas and Advent more and more. Um, but let me explain a little bit about the traditions uh, that I grew up with uh, in Indiana. Indiana, right, is, is not a city in Texas. It's a, it's a far-off place, another country, far north. <laughs> Uh, just south of the frozen tundra is where you'll find Indiana. Uh, and we absolutely, we had the Christmas tree, uh, we had the lights. My job was to help my dad go through all the lights, right? And you had to find that one light bulb that was out and like went at work and you had to, yeah, every single one. You got to test them all before you put them up on the house. And then without fail, right, you put them up on the house and sure enough, one of them would not light. You had to pull it all down, do it all over again. That was my job. It was very exciting. Um, I remember, I was also raised sort of unconventionally, uh, we had a wood-burning furnace stove in our basement. And so I was the boy who had to rotate the wood pile. And uh, I loved doing that because I loved bringing the wood inside, cleaning all the ashes out, loading up the wood stove, and lighting it. And that sucker would heat up almost our entire house. And so when I think of Christmas, I think of my dad's Lionel train set. I think of the tree and the furnace blowing, and the stockings around the mantle. That's what I think of when I think of Christmas. Um, you know what I don't think of? I don't think of an advent calendar, and I don't think of an advent wreath. Uh, and that's okay. I, I think we might have had some of those things when I was a kid. I think we very well could have had those, but I don't recall them being a part of my story. And so a huge part of us doing this series, Tales from the Hearth, 
uh, is to equip us as the community to sort of recapture these traditions that we've had for so long in our faith. Things like the Advent wreath, it's a part of my story now. My children are growing up lighting an Advent uh, candle every single week. Uh, Things like uh, showing hospitality, extending hospitality. Uh, Things like the Advent calendar. Out in the narthex, as you leave here, there's a little bag with an Advent calendar. It's a craft. If you love to craft, this is your Sunday. I would encourage you to grab one, take it home, and begin practicing that. There's never a good time to, like, all of a sudden start a spiritual practice. There's never a good time. So just start today, right? Just grab it and say, you know, we're going to do this when we go home. Awesome. And you're already halfway there, so the the calendar's already, like, halfway ticked off. It's the perfect thing. Uh, But anyways, my uh, favorite Advent calendar um, is actually not that one. It's this one. This is a, a, a Lego Advent calendar. Uh, it's my, my favorite one. You open it up. A little bit of history on the Advent calendar. Something interesting about the Advent calendar is it actually starts in December. So it starts December 1st, and it goes all the way down to December 24th, and you count the days to Christmas. And in this Lego calendar, you pop open the little door, right, and you get the Lego pieces out, and you get to build it. It's my favorite. Any Lego fans in here? I'm going to convert all of you right now. Here are some interesting facts about Lego that you may or may not have known. First and foremost, Lego is a family-owned company. Lego is the world's largest tire manufacturer, right? It beats out Goodyear, BF Goodrich, all those other ones you might have heard of. Lego is actually the world's largest tire manufacturer. It's the world's largest manufacturer of all plastic. Interesting, right? There are more Lego minifigures than people on the planet. (laughs) They all need adopted, so go to the store, pick some up today. Uh, I love the company, It's, it's very fun. My kids love Lego. It's fascinating. And uh, you can get this on Amazon, right? Uh, it's a great little calendar. And the calendar, a little bit of the history of the Advent calendar, is it started in uh, Protestant Germany. Uh, shocker. And then they would go around and they would mark little ticks with chalk on their doors to keep track of days to Christmas. Uh, a little bit later on, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower was photographed opening an Advent calendar in the Oval Office with his grandchildren. And that photograph circulated around the U.S. and made the Advent calendar actually pretty popular, a little spike of popularity in the Advent calendar use. So I'm curious, just by show of hands, how many of you have used an Advent calendar since, like, day one in your house, right? Okay, yeah, about 25% or so. How many of you have, like, never heard of an Advent calendar, never used it? Some of you are lying. Thank you so much. Some of you are being very bold, right? Yeah, this is my experience. Like, I found out an Advent calendar when I was, like, in college, and I was like, that's interesting. But then I saw that a Lego one, and I was like, I'm sold. I'm totally going to do an Advent calendar every year from now on, as long as they keep making it. Um, so anyways, they come in all shapes and sizes. Another practice that we've been um, getting into during this season as we talk about Tales from the Hearth, as we've been talking about the sacredness of gathering um, as, a, as a family during the holiday season, is we've been hearing about the, from the lectionary. Uh, we've been hearing the Old Testament readings and the Gospel readings. I want to tell you a little bit about the lectionary first, a little bit kind of uh, the tool that it is. It is a um, set uh, designated readings of Scripture uh, for a three-year rotation, year A, B, and C. There are four readings per week, and those readings come from the Old Testament, the Psalms, the Epistles, or the letters that Paul wrote, and then the Gospel. And the great thing about the lectionary, the fantastic tool that this is, is you don't have to memorize anything. Like, you don't have to know what to say. So when you gather as a family, maybe at dinner, and maybe you light an Advent wreath, and you say, maybe we should read some scripture. That's a good idea. You could say, um, 
I don't know what to read. Honey, why don't you look up the lectionary for this week? And that's it. You just Google lectionary, December 16th, 2018, and it'll pop it up. And there are the verses that you can read. And they correspond to the time of year that we are in. It's such a powerful tool to use in our families, to use as our spiritual disciplines to engage in that. And we've been doing that during this uh, season of Advent here at Chapelwood. So the uh, passage for today, and I knew I'd forget it, forgot my Bible down in the front pew, comes from the, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. Again, I didn't pick it out. Um, it comes from the lectionary. So it makes my job easy. So hear these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn away with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. That didn't sound very Christmassy. <laughs> there's no mention of Santa Claus. There's no mention of hot cocoa. and uh, There's no mention of like uh, trees and snow. Uh, maybe the lectionary got it wrong. <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, it's... Maybe... Uh, no, I, I don't know. Maybe we should slow down and remember what Advent really is about. And maybe the lectionary got it right. Because Advent is like a, a little mini Lent, right? It's about practicing holiness. It's about picking up spiritual discipline, disciplines like prayer and lighting an Advent wreath, reciting scripture, giving, tithing, charity, feeding the hungry, and clothing the naked. It's all about hope, love, joy, and peace. It's about anticipating and counting the days till we celebrate the inbreaking of God. It's also about repentance, and that's what that chapter in Luke talks a lot about. It's about recognizing that we are not God, and we need to turn from those ways and seek out things that God promises us, like love, joy, hope, and peace. Those are the very things that Advent and Christmas are about. 
And so what does this passage have to do with Advent? Quite frankly, everything. This passage is about repentance. It's about waiting. It's about counting the days. They're eager and longing for the Messiah. And I, and I love verse 15. It's my favorite and all that. It says, The people were filled with expectation, questioning whether John might be the Messiah. Because the Messiah was not there yet. And that word expectation is pregnant with meaning. Like, is it not? If you've ever been on a car trip with a child... You know what expectation is. Are we there yet? If you've ever been in a, in a waiting room for a new grandbaby or a niece or a nephew or a brother or sister or your own child, you know what expectation is. Is the child here yet? Not yet. Mom's still working. You know what expectation is. If you've ever finished your final class in college and you've waited for those grades to post, right, you know what expectation is. Expectation is hard because it isn't here yet. When I went to a seminary, I went to Fuller Theological for my master's in arts and theology, and then I went to Southern Methodist University for my uh, divinity degree, and um, I took a long route doing it. It was a five-year process, and it was about as horrible as it could get. Uh, and in my last year and a half, I commuted from Houston to Dallas, sometimes twice a week. Um, that's a lot of miles. Sometimes I would get on a Greyhound at midnight on Wednesday, get up there, do all my classes, and come back on the Greyhound and get back at midnight the next day. Um, and that was a time of expectation. I wanted it to be over so bad because it was supposed to be joyful and happy and you get your degree and you can put it up on your wall and say, look how accomplished I am. But I was waiting, right? I was anticipating and, I, and it was not fun to wait. It was not fun to anticipate. And so I didn't know what to do. So I approached my wife at the time and our little boy at the time. He's five now. He was two then. And I said, can you all, you know those paper chains you make in kindergarten that count like the days? To the, can you make me a paper chain? And they said, yeah, we'll do that. And so every day when I came home from seminary, I'd come in and I'd tear off one of those little links. And I'd tear it off and I'd tear it off. And I saw that chain get shorter and shorter and shorter and hope began to build in me and peace began to settle on me. And that's exactly what an advent calendar does for us, is it not? It points to Christmas Day. It points to the joy and the inbreaking of God and God's kingdom. And so hope begins to build. Peace begins to settle. And we settle into what Advent is about. It's about waiting for the joy and coming of the Christ child. And so may we be a community that practices waiting together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.